Well, what an honor it is to be up in front of my community, my worshiping congregation this morning. For those of you joining us with live stream, welcome. It's a really icy day, so it's a great day to stream. For those of you that braved the roads, thank you and welcome. As Kay said, my name is Carrie Lynn Lucas. I serve here on staff with our student ministry team, which means I get paid to hang out with teenagers. Um, it's awesome. I love my job. Um, I'm also a student at Perkins Theological Seminary here in Dallas, and as of right now, I am exactly halfway through my Master's of Divinity. And with that, I'm following God's call on my life to become some kind of pastor, the details of which have yet to be revealed to me, but I'm listening. <laughs> um, so as Kay said, this is actually my first big church Sunday morning sermon. So we're going to lock the doors in about 15 seconds so you'll stay here. I'm just kidding. Um, our sermon series this Advent, this Christmas season, has been called Christmas Records. And what we've been doing is looking at the songs we listen to or sing, if we have those gifts, this time of year, and talking about parallels in our scriptures. Music is a huge part of my life and my faith journey. My Nana will claim that when I was little, before I could even walk, I would be crawling, and if they would play music on the radio, I would stop and I would dance a little. And I got a really cool nickname, Boogie, because of that. I was classically trained on the violin from age five, and all the way through middle school and high school competed, and still play today. And some of my biggest moments with God have happened with music. You see, it was a worship song that I listened to in my bedroom when I was a senior in high school that caused me to take on my faith as my own. It's a classical symphony that I run to and sometimes play in times of great grief and sadness. And it may or may not have been an 80s hairband I listened to in the car on the way here today to keep me excited but kind of calm. I love music. Um, so this sermon series has been just amazing for me. Um, we've looked at solid, churchy Christmas classics like Silent Night, but also like more festive, kind of fun hits like You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch. And even a few weeks ago, our senior pastor Stan preached over the song Christmas Must Be Something More by the wonderful Taylor Swift. We've covered it all. So today... I've been assigned the task of preaching to you all over the song, All Lang Syne, which to I've had to explain to everyone this week is the song they play when the ball drops in New York. Music historians, weirdos, have actually titled this song, The Song No One Knows But Everybody Tries to Sing. If you're up this late tonight, watch. In New York, the ball will drop. People will cheer, confetti will fly, some people will kiss, and then people are going to try to sing along to this song, and they have no idea. You probably know the first few words. Should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind? Should old acquaintance be forgot and old lang syne? Does anybody know the words that come after this? Much less the meaning of the song? Well, this week I had the opportunity to dive deep into the lyrics of the song, and I found something really beautiful in it. So this morning, we're going to talk about the lyrics of All Lang Syne. 
We're going to look at one of my favorite pieces of scripture, and then we're going to talk about what it means to remember the things of the past as we move into the new year tomorrow. So Old Lang Syne, so it was originally a poem written by a guy named Robert Burns in 1788. Old Lang Syne translates best to English to mean days gone by, days gone by. It was a Scottish treasure as a poem, and as with most poems, somebody added a melody, and then it became a song, and it made its way over to the U.S., and it's now used typically at New Year's, but you can also hear it at graduations, funerals. The Boy Scouts have even been known to play this at the end of their National Jamboree event. The song contains lyrics like this. For all Lang Syne, my dear, remember, days gone by. For all Lang Syne. We'll take a cup of kindness yet for all Lang Syne. The song celebrates endings and new beginnings. There's verses that contain lyrics about buying your own pint cup and raising a glass and toasting the good times in life, toasting the good people that have come into our lives. It calls us to remember the great things that have happened. But one of the verses isn't so cheery. It says this. We too have run about the slopes and picked the daisies fine. But we've wandered many a weary foot since all lang syne. Wandered many a weary foot. Has anybody else ever felt like they're wandering a weary foot? Just me? Hope not. The song calls us to remember the things that happened to us, even if they sting, even if they hurt a little. This reminded me of one of my favorite pieces of scripture. It comes from the book of Psalms, chapter 143. Now, you've heard at the beginning that I've spent three years working with teenagers, which means I have some really weird things about me. Okay, I am a small group leader for the eighth grade girls, and we have this weird thing we do to help us visualize where something is in the Bible, and so we're going to do it because I promised them if I ever preached to adults, I would do this. So I'm just fulfilling a promise here, okay, people? All right, this is your Bible, okay? Just track with me. This is your Old Testament. Remember, in your Old Testament, you've got stories and history and law, super exciting. You have... Um, poetry and prophets, lots of prophets, okay? Over here is your New Testament. And in your New Testament, you've got Gospels, which are stories about Jesus, the book of Acts, which is a history book about after Jesus, and then lots of letters, okay? So Old Testament, New Testament. If I'm looking for the book of Psalms, which one is it in? Old Testament. If you said Old Testament, you got it right. So the book of Psalms is in the Old Testament. There's two kinds of psalms. Psalms of thanksgiving and psalms of lament. The psalms of thanksgiving are happy. They praise God for who God is. They thank God for blessings. The psalms of lament are kind of sad. They're honest. They're written from places of incredible grief. Some of the psalms are attributed to David. Remember, like David and Goliath, King David. But we're not sure who physically sat down and wrote them out, which is really great, actually. I see all of Scripture as a mirror. 
I see myself in it, but in the Psalms, I especially see my life. So we're going to read this morning from Psalm 143. I came across it about two years ago. I read a psalm a day, and I'm pretty sure I spent an entire week on 143 because I love it so much. So verses 1 through 4 say this. Listen to my prayer, Lord. Because of your faithfulness, hear my requests for mercy. Because of your righteousness, answer me. Please don't bring your servant to judgment because no living thing is righteous before you. The enemy is chasing me, crushing my life in the dirt, forcing me to live in the dark like those who've been dead forever. My spirit is weak inside me, and inside my mind is numb. Super uplifting scripture for Sunday morning, New Year's Eve, right? (laughs) But I love it because I've been there. I've felt that way. This is what the writer of All Anxiety means when they say, wandered many a weary foot. The writer of Psalm 143 is wandering a weary foot. Sometimes we're just empty. We don't have any more to give. Maybe this morning, sitting in your chair or sitting at home, you're empty. You're thinking, Carrie Lynn, you don't even know the half of it. You're not sure how you made it through this year. You're not sure how you're going to make it tomorrow with a new year. Sometimes we're just in this place. But the psalmist does not stop there. The writer continues. Verses 5 and 6 say this. I remember the days long past. I meditate on all your deeds. I contemplate your handiwork. I stretch out my hand to you. My whole being is like dry dirt thirsting for you. I stretch out my hands to you. The psalmist remembers the days long past, all anxiety. The psalmist spends time meditating and contemplating on God's work. As 2017 closes out, what are the things you are going to remember? What are the days long past of this year for you? Maybe you scored big. Maybe you got a huge promotion at work. Maybe you welcomed a new child or dog into your life. Maybe you got to travel to an incredible place. Maybe this year nothing really big happened, but when you think about 2017, positive little things add up to be a pretty great year. Maybe you're like me. And you're just really excited you survived two more semesters of school and you're that much closer to a degree. Maybe this year you lost big. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you are struggling financially. Maybe this year you broke some relationships that you shouldn't have. Maybe this year you have felt more alone than you ever have in your entire life and you don't even know how to say it. And maybe this year you lost someone close to you. 
How are you going to remember the days long past of 2017? How is our world going to remember the days long past of 2017? Let's take a look. Some days long past, our world is never going to forget. And I'm sure you personally have some days long past that you will always remember. But tomorrow, a new year begins. We start over. If you're like me, you'll probably write on a piece of paper two, zero, one, seven, turn it into an eight. <laughs> I never really made New Year's resolutions as a kid. They never made sense to me. I've basically been in school my whole life, and it never, I never understood why I would make a New Year's resolution. I'm going to go to the same classroom. I'm wearing the same clothes, maybe a few new outfits for Christmas. The new year has never really felt new. But in 2018, I'm making a resolution. I'm not setting the bar too high for myself. I'm making what I'm hoping is a practical resolution. I know that dark days are ahead of me this year. It's inevitable. Bad things are going to happen. I'm sorry. (laughs) But when the darkness comes, when I'm living verses 1 through 4 of Psalm 143, when I'm in the pit, when I feel crushed, I hope that I can do what verses 5 and 6 say. I want to meditate on God's handiwork in my life. I want to contemplate 
what God has done. I think this will help comfort me in the times of darkness. Not that it's going to fix it. It would be impractical to say that as well. I have three pretty big ones that I run to, and I'm now going to personally share with you all. The first, I think about that it is God that awoke me from a place of apathy towards my faith. As a teenager, I claimed to know this book, and I had no idea. I didn't read it. I put on a real good face. But God awoke me from that and then called me to be a pastor. Like, I could have been a truck driver. That would have been pretty okay. But no, 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 no. God said, yeah, you're going to be a pastor. (laughs) That's God's handiwork in my life. The second, I think about all of the good people that God has put in my life. People who hold my hand People who wipe away my tears. People who give me big bear hugs, even though sometimes I resist them. People who quite literally welcome me in their home, even on holidays. That's God's handiwork in my life. And the third is kind of new. And it's a story I've yet to tell out loud. But one year ago, 365 days ago, I was going to quit. I had finished a semester of seminary, and I was done. It's not that I failed. I did real well. But I was going to quit. I had a job lined up to be a travel agent, which would have been really cool. But here I am, 365 days later, in front of my community, my congregation that I sit in the seats every week preaching. I went back to school. I didn't quit. And if that's not God's handiwork in my life, I don't know what is. What are the examples of God's handiwork in your life? What are stories that you can run to that remind you that God's got you? even in times of darkness. That's one way to remember the days long past, is to personally contemplate and meditate on what God has done. But I have another one for you. We meditate and we contemplate on God's handiwork in our life all the time as a community. In fact, in the Methodist tradition, we do it once a month. The first Sunday of every month, we remember when we come to the table. A table. Something so simple, you probably have at least one or two in your house. A table that Jesus shared with his very best friends the night he was later betrayed by them. We come and we remember the days gone by when we partake in elements that our God came as a human and took simple things, bread and wine, and made them holy. Made them for a way for us to remember the days gone by. The table is special to the Christian faith. The table is special to the Methodist faith. But the table is also special 
to the history and mission of Lover's Lane. Now, I'm not going to tell this story as good as Stan, so when he's back next week, you should all go ask him at the same time. But our founding pastor is a guy named Tom Ship. As a child, Tom Ship was quite literally not welcome at the table. He was sent to live on a farm with a family that wasn't his, and he ate his meals in a barn while the family ate at the table. But Tom Ship decided that as a pastor, people were going to be welcome at his table. And since its founding, this church has been an open table for all people. Now and next week, when we take communion together, you will be welcome at this table. You are welcome, even if you are living in the dark like those who've been dead forever. You are welcome, and you are welcome to come and to contemplate God's work on your life. If your whole being is like dry dirt and you are reaching out your hands, stretching for God, you are welcome to come and to meditate on God's handiwork in your life. In 2018, I hope that as individuals, we claim our place at this table, while at the same time pulling up an empty chair for someone who's not here yet. I hope that when we're sitting at our table and we see someone who's already here eating alone, we don't just take notice, but we take action. I hope that we share our table with our friends, but also with others, with others, our enemies, those who don't look like us, those who don't talk like us, those who don't think like us. And just like Jesus did, I hope we share our table with those who have the capacity to betray us. Because all are welcome at our table. And if our table's too crowded, we build an extension. We make it bigger. Our mission statement here at Lover's Lane says that we are loving all people into relationship with Jesus Christ. In 2018, I hope that we find new ways to continue to live this out. I hope that we think about our table. Is there an empty chair for someone to sit? Is there room for new people? Who's not here that should be? This is not a place for people who have it all together. This is not a place for people who are perfect. This is a place for people who are living a Psalm 143 season of life with weak spirits and numb minds and everything in between. This is a place for people who claim their whole life to know this book and have no idea. This is a place where I hope as a community we can be reminded to meditate on what God has done, to remember the days long past. We love all here because loving all never gets old. Let's pray.
gracious and loving God. We thank you for the gift and the ability to remember. To remember the good things that have happened to us. And maybe the things that sting a little. We thank you for community and friends and family. God, this year, I pray that we would surround ourselves with our community. That we would push each other to remember the things that you have done in our life while searching for the things you are doing in our life. God, we pray that you would help us to meditate on your works in our life, to contemplate your handiwork. We love you so much. And it's in your name that we ask all of these things. Amen.